Welcome to the Orange Socks Podcast, where we are inspiring life despite a diagnosis. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Nebaker. In this episode, I speak with Cora and Trey about their twin daughters, Charlie and Olivia, who have Rett Syndrome. Rett Syndrome, according to RettSyndrome.org, is a rare, non-inherited, genetic postnatal neurological disorder that occurs almost exclusively in girls and leads to severe impairment, affecting nearly every aspect of the child's life, their ability to speak, walk, eat, and even breathe easily. Cora and Trey's situation is unique, with only a handful of people in North America in similar circumstances. Trey and Cora, thank you so much for taking the time this evening to speak with me about your identical twin daughters, Charlie and Olivia, who have Rett syndrome. Cora, tell me, when did you find out that your daughters had Rett syndrome? Well, thank you for having us. We found out that our daughters had Rett syndrome on September 15th of 2017. That day was rough. We had been waiting for genetic testing results from our developmental pediatrician for about six weeks prior to that. Earlier in 2017, they were diagnosed with global developmental delay and they started receiving therapies through early intervention and not much progress was being made. So we actually asked to be referred to a specialist because we knew that something wasn't quite right. They weren't hitting their milestones when they should have. and kind of accepted that we needed to take the next step. So on August 7th of 2017, we went up to Vanderbilt and met with the developmental pediatrician. And after about an hour of being asked all kinds of questions and the girls were starting to melt down in the office, she actually diagnosed them with autism and then immediately said she also wanted to do genetic testing for a rare neurological disorder called Rett syndrome. And we had obviously never heard of it. It was extremely rare. And she basically said, don't Google it. It's very rare. They probably don't have it, but you know, we just need to make sure. And then that was it. We drove home, Googled it immediately. (laughs) I think most parents do that. And we waited six weeks to get the actual phone call that they both had the genetic mutation and it was Rett syndrome. Wow, so how old were they at that time? They had just turned two in May. So they were a little bit over two, about 27 months. Okay. So you knew something was up. You had some testing done. Trey, what were your thoughts when you got a definitive diagnosis? Uh, Yeah, it's kind of an interesting question because we've kind of talked about this before. The months leading up, we got the initial, hey, let's check this out and and see if it is, even though it's really rare. Well, the more we looked into it for that four to six week period, we kind of came to the realization that, that that's probably what it is. I think. A lot of our grieving was kind of done in that time frame, but then when we actually got the diagnosis, it was almost a uh, sense of relief, I think, because if it hadn't been that diagnosis, then we would have had to start the journey over again to figure out what it was. That gave us a game plan, and we knew what we needed to do and what resources we needed to approach and, and all of that. So. It was a mixed bag of emotions, obviously it's never easy to hear that, but I think it was made a little bit easier because we kind of prepared ourselves. Now, how many identical twins have 
Rett syndrome in the United States. Trey, I think you mentioned that when we were talking before we started. How many do we figure there are in the United States? In North America, so it's not just even that includes Canada too, the known case that we know of anyway, I think there are eight. Wow. Last time we checked, there were eight confirmed cases. And Cora, you were mentioning that this effect is more common in girls than boys? It is, yes. X, it's a chromosomal mutation in the MECP2 protein on the X gene. So it's predominantly in girls, but very rarely it's also seen in boys. It tends to be more severe in boys because they only have the one copy of it, the gene. So yeah, it's mainly girls. So Cora, what's been the hardest thing for you so far in their young lives? They're uh, two years old. Yeah, yeah, they're two. Well, they'll actually be three in a few months. Initially, the hardest thing was that time period of waiting and knowing something's not right, but not knowing what it is. That was really difficult. And like Trey said, when we actually got the diagnosis, it did feel like a sense of relief. But as far as the hardest thing now, the biggest thing that we're dealing with currently and probably will until there's a cure for rest syndrome is the communication aspect. You know, they're nonverbal. The MECP2 gene affects lots of other things in the body. It controls motor and has aspects to communication and even breathing. So the level of severity is so wide. We were told our girls have a milder form of it. And then there are girls who are girls and boys that are completely on the other end where they have daily seizures and cannot use their hands at all and grind their teeth constantly. I mean, there's just a list of things. It can get to very severe. For us, the girls don't have seizures. They do have some breathing abnormalities and hand stereotypy, but the hardest thing is communication. So they're nonverbal and that being the hardest aspect of everyday life, them not being able to communicate their needs to us, it causes them anxiety. I mean, just imagine having to being hungry or thirsty or wanting something. There's no way for you to express that. And you get frustrated because you all the cognitive abilities there, it's just the wires aren't connecting to make that happen. So that's frustrating for them and we can see that. But in that, we decided to make that our main area of focus. So we do a lot of speech therapy. We attend a lot of educational webinars and seminars to learn as much as we can about how to make this easier for everybody in our family and for them. We actually just got approved for our second Toby eye gaze device. So this device helps them communicate by tracking their eye gaze at different symbols and they are catching on so fast. So it's actually becoming one of the more joyful things instead of a hard thing. So we're turning it into a positive. Well, that's a good segue into my next question. So what have been the joys? Oh gosh, it's easier now that we're past the fog of a brand new diagnosis. I feel like it's more joy throughout the day than hard stuff, which is great because it didn't feel like that in the very beginning. But everything, I mean, we get to celebrate the little milestones. You know, when they were going through their period of regression with Rett syndrome, usually you don't show any symptoms until around 12 to 18 months. And then you go through a period of regression where you start to rapidly lose these skills, lose any words you once said. Our girls used to say a few words that stopped. The hand movements, things like that started. And so now that that's kind of leveling out a little bit, the girls are getting better at taking steps up the stairs and they're actually improving in areas where we were told that they wouldn't really improve in much at all. So that's exciting for us. And 
They're really funny girls. Our girls are hilarious. They understand humor. They laugh when it's appropriate to laugh. So they're really witty, hilarious girls. And I think that's just the gift that keeps on giving. Honey, what do you think joys are? <laughs> There's a couple of specific things that we notice or mention. Them walking up the stairs and proving their overall motor skills and the physical capabilities they have are still there and actually growing. But for specific example, I guess, Charlie and Libby both, they have these balance bikes and they ride around the house, all around our living room and island and all that. You know, we basically took Charlie from going just take a couple of moves forward and a couple of moves back with no real direction. She would just kind of bump into the bow. You know, a month or two later, she literally will navigate this thing through different rooms, take it all the way through our bedroom into the bathroom, do three-point turns on it, just keep cruising. And those are things, you know, you don't really see when it comes to their diagnosis. And so things like that, the smaller things are really exciting for us. Where a typical two and a half, three-year-old, you think no big deal, that's great. For us, it's a huge, huge step in the right direction. So we get to celebrate all of that stuff. Sure. So tell me, what has been their impact on your family? I would say overall, it's kind of broadened their horizon and more or less brought everybody closer together. I feel like everybody wants to help out. They want to learn you know, what they can do and how they can do it and how they can better support the girls. And really, it's not only about doing things for them. You know, they know what Cora and I are going through and dealing with on a day-to-day basis. And I feel that they've been a really strong support system for just our family as a whole. So we really couldn't ask for much more. Cora, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I think it's been a shock. It was a shock. It still is for some family members, but they kind of put that feeling aside and focus on the positive and we're kind of doing that as a family. Everybody's been extremely supportive and they have a lot of grandparents, our girls do, so <laughs> that helps and we're very lucky that they all live locally. So I think having that family support is so important and we may be in a totally different space mentally if we didn't have them <laughs> here. Okay, good. That's wonderful. Tell me, Cora, if I were to come to you just having found out that I had a child with Rett syndrome, what advice would you give me? I would just say to reach out to your community. There are lots of families out there and people in similar situations and they have more experience in this game. You know, especially with these rare diseases, there's a lot in neurological diseases, there's a lot of aspects and different areas that go into it. And that's another piece of advice is to manage your time. You know, you have the communication side of things, you have the medical side, which is, it could be a very large aspect on itself. You have education, you have social, there's a lot of different areas and don't spread yourself too thin, you know, focus on one area at a time, find the proper resources and accept help when it's offered to you. Trey and I are very type A, go get them, we can handle everything in the world type people. And we quickly found out that that's just a silly idea. (laughs) You can't do everything, but what you can do taken small chunks, love your children, focus on that first, and everything will kind of fall into place if you just have patience with yourself, and you're going to get through it. You are so much stronger than you think you are. You don't have to do it all on your own. That's why there are resources and communities out there like Orange Socks to help parents understand that this doesn't have to be so lonely. It can actually be a really positive experience for you. That's awesome. Any closing words that you want to say? 
we've talked about this before. You know, Cora's done a fantastic job with everything. I mean, she's kind of taken the reins on most of it as it pertains to Rhett syndrome. And I would think, it, or what I guess I would say as a whole, closing remarks would be become an advocate. Don't be scared or shy. Awareness is key when it comes to diseases as a whole, and especially rare ones, because with that, more resources become available when more people know about your condition. So that would be my last thing I would say. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode. Orange Socks is an initiative of Rise Incorporated, a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting and advocating for people with disabilities. Follow Orange Socks on Facebook and Instagram and visit our website, orangesocks.org, for more stories and to find national and local resources to help parents of children with disabilities.